Welcome to Only Today, a Gathering Mana podcast, where Catholic moms can find practical tips, advice, and help that will equip them to live more joyfully in their vocations as mothers and wives. This series is called Pray With Me. Here we will explore what it means to dwell moment by moment with God and keep our hearts near Him amidst the busy work of motherhood. Together we're going to learn how to apply contemplative spirituality to the everyday moments of ordinary life. Let's listen in. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 We are back with another episode in our series, Transforming Prayers for Catholic Moms. And this time, we're diving into a popular but sometimes misunderstood prayer from Catholic tradition called the Litany of Humility. I'm going to read it for you now, and then I'll have the text of it in the full show notes, as well as some other places where you can print it out. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, Hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebuke, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it that others may be esteemed more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I decrease. Deliver me, Jesus. That others may be chosen and I set aside. Grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it that others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may be holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Being a mom is sometimes a thankless job. It's a job that is filled with tiny moments of service that largely go unnoticed and certainly aren't met with regular gratitude by those for whom they're performed. 
Feeling taken advantage of and insulted? That is a given. Allowing those feelings to cross over into irritation and resentment? That's a choice. A prayer like the Litany of Humility directs us to cast those frustrations and struggles at the only one who can do anything about them. Let's address some common concerns about this prayer. Some of the language of the prayer bothers some because it seems to be overly effacing to the prayer, suggesting a lack of boundaries or an unhealthy relationship, or that normal desires for love and attention are bad. Here's how we can lay these concerns about this prayer to rest. It lies in one little phrase, deliver us, or deliver me. If one needs deliverance from something, it is implied that that something has become bigger than themselves. So even those desires for things like this or that are good and normal, if they have become bigger than us or are consuming so much of our thought life that it is coloring how we treat the people in our lives, then we need to seek balance. Sometimes the desires become so strong that they almost seem to control everything that we do. And that is when we need him to deliver us from the stronghold that these desires have on our lives. So when this prayer says things like, deliver me Jesus from the desire of being loved, what it's suggesting is that that desire has become too strong and disordered in our lives. And it is causing us to place too much emphasis on how we feel, our circumstances, or the people in our lives. This is damaging to us spiritually and it takes our eyes off of God. And so we ask Jesus to deliver us and give us his humility instead, trusting in his provision. Humility is to the virtues what the chain is to the rosary. Take away the chain and the beads scatter. Take away humility and all the virtues scatter. St. John Vianney Humility is the key to Christian growth. Jesus spoke about humility and modeled it for us possibly more than any other virtue. Take my yoke upon you, for I am humble and meek of heart, he says. The key traits of humility in Jesus is a love and trust in his Father that caused him to desire his will above all else. He leaned daily and hourly on God to give him strength, often retreating to private places to pray, even at odd times. St. Elizabeth of the Trinity has this to say about humility and pride. Let's start with humility. I have read splendid passages on this subject, she says. A devout author writes, The humble soul finds its keenest joy in feeling its powerlessness before God. Dear little friend, pride is not something which is destroyed with one good blow of the sword. No doubt certain heroic acts of humility, like those we read about in the lives of the saints, while not killing it outright, weaken it considerably. But we have to make it die each day. I die every day, cried St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15.31. St. Elizabeth goes on to say, This doctrine of dying to self is the law for every Christian. For Christ said, If anyone wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. This doctrine, which seems so austere, takes on a delightful sweetness when we consider that the aim of this death to self is to replace our life of sin and misery with the life of God. This is what St. Paul meant when he wrote, 
Strip off the old man and clothe yourself anew according to the image of he who created you. This image is God himself. Recall his will, which he expressed so clearly on the day of creation. Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. Genesis 1, 26. The opposite of humility is pride, but pride doesn't always look like boasting or vainglory or loud tooting of our own horns. No, for, the most, for most people, pride is more subtle and sneaky. Pride is a preoccupation with self. Here are some of the ways, the practical ways, that pride tends to invade my life and the lives of the women I know. Preoccupation with how we look to others or what others think of us. Preoccupation with the parts of my relationships that I wish were different. Preoccupation with my physical or professional appearance. Insisting on my own opinion or way of doing things. Using irritation or anger to control the behavior of others around me. Preoccupation with vetting my feelings or expressing how I feel frequently and to anyone who will listen. Interrupting my family repeatedly to inject my ideas, opinions, or interpretations. Justifying unwise decisions by telling myself I deserve this or that. Indulging in frequent bouts of shame and guilt. Allowing our hearts to replay every reason why we quote-unquote should feel those emotions. Simply put, pride is a fascination with self. Pride is a thought life consumed with me. Whether those thoughts are about how great we are, what we think we need or deserve, what we don't have, or how awful we are, all of that is ego. Pride controlling our thoughts and perceptions. Pride is in the driver's seat when our desires are the number one thing on our mind, as the first half of this prayer addresses. Pride has so many sneaky ways of getting a hold on us, and we can't possibly plumb the depths of our hearts in search of it, nor should we try. Instead, we look to Jesus, the author of our individual souls, and we hand those souls over to him, trusting that if we are faithful to give our hearts to him, he will perfect all that concerns us. Our job, to keep handing it over. So we're going to go through this prayer line by line over the next three weeks, exploring the ways that each of these circumstances may be occurring in our lives so that we can pray this powerful prayer with sincere understanding and authenticity. We want to open ourselves up to the transforming grace of God, asking Him to increase our dependence on Him and make us humble of heart. The prayer begins with this, O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. So right away, we are placing ourselves at the feet of the one who can truly move through our hearts as we pray, tending that garden, pulling up weeds, loosening our attachments, bandaging our, broken, bandaging our broken reeds, putting balm on our sore spots, and making space for humility to grow. The first half of this prayer deals with our needing deliverance from our desires in relation to how other people see and treat us when they become too strong for us. The first line says, From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. Here are some synonyms of the word esteemed. Respect, admire, value, regard, acclaim, appreciate, like, prize, treasure, favor, revere. Deep within the human heart is the desire to be esteemed, 
God knows we need to hear these words of esteem. God knows we need to be esteemed and honored, and we are. He went out of his way to say these things to us because he is the designer of our hearts. As we journey through prayer, one thing you're going to begin seeing is that for each of these desires, there is a corresponding aspect of God's love and design for us that wants to meet them. When we begin to desire and require the esteem of others, these natural desires become disordered because we aren't meant to seek these things from the hearts of men, but from the heart of God himself. Line 2 says, From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. This one seems like a weird one, doesn't it? Why on earth would we need to be delivered from the desire to be loved? That's an intrinsic part of a human being's makeup. One of the actual functions of our soul is to love God and to be loved by Him, enjoying Him now and in eternity. So why would Jesus need to deliver us from this desire? For most mothers, the desire to be loved is usually coupled with the unspoken idea that I wish I were loved more or differently by the humans around me, differently than I'm being loved now. Remember that our thoughtful life, our thought life, excuse me, is the gateway for our active life. The jump from, I wish I were loved more, better, or differently, can jump quickly from thoughts to words and actions and the pursuit of that more, better, and different love. For most of us, that will involve attempting to influence the people around us to love us more, better, and differently. This often proves unfruitful, and the seeds of resentment begin to fester and grow. Do you see how this is playing out? When our desire for being loved turns into manipulating those around us to get that more, better, or different love, we've crossed the boundary line. Think about the ways that sometimes you try to change or improve the people that love you and the way that they love you and ask Jesus to purify your heart in this area. Invite his Holy Spirit into all of your relationships daily, asking him to help you all listen closely to him to best love each other. But sister, you got to trust him with the results. I invite you to the great adventure of letting God do his job in the people you love. And let's all be honest, we are talking about our husbands and children and the subtle ways that we try to be the Holy Spirit in their lives, nudging them and prompting them to perform better. I cannot tell you how much my marriage changed when I began to actively lay down my frustrations in prayer at Jesus' feet instead of spewing them at my husband. Should we pray to be loved as we need? Yes, but humility brings those needs to Christ instead of trying to strong-arm people around us to give us the attention we need. One Christian author uses the analogy of an empty cup to describe the way that we sometimes try to strong-arm people. We each have our unmet needs, she says, and we carry them around all day long like an empty cup. In one way or the other, we hold that out, that empty cup out to people in our lives and say, can somebody please fill this? Even a tablespoon would help. Whether we seek to have our cup filled through approval, affirmation, control, success, or immediate gratification, we are miserable until we have something in it. What a heavy yoke is shattered 
when we awaken in the mornings, bringing our hearts, minds, and souls, and all their needs to the great soulologist, offering him our empty cups and asking him to fill them with himself. No one is more pleasurable to be around than a person who has had her cup filled by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one who is never overwhelmed by the depth and length of our need. Imagine how different our day would be if we had our cups filled by Christ first thing in the morning. During the course of the day, anything else anyone is able to offer us could just be the overflow of an already full cup. This person will never lack company or affection because she draws daily from the well of unfailing love. This blessed of all believers will know from experience what the Apostle Paul meant in Colossians 2.10 when he said, You are complete in Him. So as we move on to our next prayer, from the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. To be extolled is to praise enthusiastically. Uh, here are a couple of synonyms of that to wax lyrical or to go into raptures about, to sing the praises of, of someone or to praise them highly, acclaiming, exalting, eulogizing even, uh, rhapsodizing over, it says, raving about, enthusing about. You get the idea here. This one is related to a later one that we're going to talk, the desire to be praised. But this particular word extolled means that we desire to be praised verbally and for others to praise us to other people. And it's implied that it would be over and over again. <laughs> Biblically, it's a word that is often used to describe how we are to think of and praise God and keeping him always in our minds, considering all that he has done for us. At the heart of a desire to be extolled is a longing to be remembered and thought of and seen. We want to be known and remembered and praised for our good works. Maybe for you it doesn't seem like excessive praise is what you're wanting, but maybe just a little praise and remembrance. Maybe just for someone to stand up and say, hey, you are really doing something. Or for someone you love to lean over to someone you both love and say, this woman is incredible to me and here's why. That is not a bad desire. We all want verbal praise. We all want others to love us with their words to other people. We all want to be publicly or at least verbally recognized for a job well done. This comes from the deepest part of our hearts. Many saints discuss what it means to them to be able to run the race here on earth so well that we're able to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, as Jesus spoke about in his parable. To hear people praise us and say that they love us is a real human need. And this prayer is not suggesting that that desire in and of itself is bad. But when that desire begins to control us and our actions and our motivations, then we have an issue. Let us offer this very real need to the heart of the Father and ask Him to help us to order this desire in our heart, instead fixing our efforts and our longings on that day when we want to hear Him say those precious words, Well done, good and faithful servant, that Jesus spoke in His word. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. Honor, in the, in the dictionary, has two definitions, and they're very interesting. Regard with great respect, uh, to esteem, respect, and admire. 
And then the second definition has a more active definition, to fulfill an obligation to or to keep, to observe, obey, heed, follow, to discharge an order or a promise, to implement or execute. And I found this really interesting that honor has these two meanings, and both of them are compelling for our study here today. Not only does honor mean to be respected, uh, it means additionally to fulfill or observe as in terms of a contract. So how this breaks down in our lives is um, as wives and moms, this turns into this desire to be so deeply respected that others fulfill their duties to us and honor all of the promises and the words that they've made to us. That is a real desire in my heart and I'm sure it is in yours as well. Given the information of this dual nature of honor, I see that this line of the litany of humility is the one I struggle with the most, especially at home. I want help. I don't want to ask for help over and over. I just want people to look and see what needs to be done, what is regularly done, and do it. I know like you, I know that you, like me, have a lot on your plate. And when people don't lift a finger to help alleviate that, or worse, don't do their part in the upkeep of the home or the relationship, that can really hurt our feelings and make us feel overwhelmed and alone. This is our desire, and like the other tricky desires mentioned in this prayer, they are slippery slopes, even though they come from natural and normal places in our hearts. So for moms, this desire to be honored and have people fulfill their end of the job whether at home or school or work, can quickly get out of control and turn into distracting resentment. At least it is for me. So Jesus, deliver me from the desire to have everyone do everything they say they're going to do or that they should do. Even though it's frustration, frustration on my part and even though I should have more help than I have, I will not let that control my thoughts or cause me to be resentful, which blocks my channel of grace to my family. Help me to remember that it is your grace that will nudge anyone to change or do more, not my resentment or nagging. When I do need to speak, help me to speak humbly and gently, clearly asking for what I need and trusting you for the results. So let's move on to our next one. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. The desire for being praised is sort of the baby cousin of the desire to be extolled and esteemed, and so we won't give much treatment to this, other than to say something personal for my own life. I don't know if you guys have ever taken a love language inventory to find out what your primary love language is, but mine is words of affirmation. And so, oh, do I understand about this desire to be praised. And that was such a stumbling block in my life for a really, really long time until I got close to Our Lady. I realized after much soul searching that what I really wanted was the praise of my mother that, that she used to give me when I was growing up. She was so good at affirming who I was and expressing all the ways she was proud of me, little and small. And I miss that. As an adult, I don't get that quite as much. But here's why keeping close to Our Lady is so wonderful. As we walk through our mostly hidden lives, just like she did, we can be confident that she notices everything and she tells her son about it. Jesus and his mother see all the tiny and large things you are doing and you need to understand 
that being proud of someone and 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 feeling love and, and devotion to them and admiration of what they're doing, that's a human emotion. And Jesus and Our Lady are proud of you. They are so, so proud of you. How could they not be? She's a mom. Are you proud of your kids? Of course you are. Ask Our Lady to walk a little closer with you and to communicate to you a feeling of love and closeness with her. And within that, that knowledge that she's aware of you, beloved, and all the battles you face and the victories that you have won, hidden to everyone else. She and her son see them all. Ask her to do this and see if she won't. Our next line is, From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. I want to be number one in somebody's heart. We all do. We don't necessarily want to be number one in everyone's heart, but this line in the Litany of Humility particularly strikes a chord in our wife hearts, doesn't it? We want our husbands to care more about us than they do about work or hobbies or friends or commitments or TV or video games. Just insert the thing here that you feel takes you or your family's place sometimes in your husband's heart. It's so frustrating to not be preferred or even just to feel like we're preferred. God knows this. God designed us to be the prized possession. Did you know that? Listen to in his word what he says about you. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you, I give men in return for you, people in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring up from the east and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. I will bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. It's kind of in our nature to be someone's center. We were always the center of God's heart. And when we feel like second or third or last fiddle in our human relationships, it hurts. At the risk of sounding cheesy, you are the center of his heart. He hasn't ever stopped looking at, loving, or preferring you your whole life. So as we come to know him better and we give these desires to Jesus, he's able to communicate his love and fullness to us. The fullness of love that fills us up and makes us ready to serve. When we lift the cup of our needs to Jesus, he will give us his fullness, the fullness of love that finds its true identity in the love of God. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. We really like to be consulted. It's a sign of respect and love. It's an important part of a family. And when something happens and we're not consulted about a decision, we get pretty frustrated especially when that decision directly affects us. Again, we're seeing a normal and proper boundary in a family that when it is not met or when, it's slight, when we're slighted in some way, it can quickly take over our lives and our thought life. Are you seeing a pattern here? These desires must be submitted to God and to his deliverance because when they are not, they always tend to get out of control, causing resentment and preoccupation with ourselves. They rob us of our peace. And maybe most importantly, 
That resentment denotes a lack of willful trust in God's current provision for us. On the contrary, when we take all of these hurts and resentments to the feet of Jesus, he takes them from us. Our willing act of trust creates a deeper flow of grace that comes through us to those with whom we interact so that God can speak to them in his own way and in his own time. You see, it causes us to depend on him and to see all that happens in our lives is coming from his hand. It allows us to tap into his peace, which is beyond understanding. How many times have we tried to manufacture our own peace with our words and controlling circumstances? Lord, don't let my desire to be consulted get in the way of my trust in your promise for me. Help me to forgive when I'm ignored or overlooked, just like you were and did. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. So being approved, the definition for this uh, is things like accept, agree to, consent to, assent to, give one's blessing, to bless, or to kind of rubber stamp somebody. Nothing hurts a kid more than to try and try and never receive the approval from their parents for who they are. When we don't feel like we're getting approval for the parts of our lives or ourselves that are important to us or for our valuable contributions, there is a particular loneliness that sets in and it's different from other loneliness. I think it's really important to remember too that our Lord suffered all of these desires and certain feelings that occur when they are frustrated. Hebrews 4 tells us, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's no coincidence that this prayer grazes the deepest desires and longings of the human soul, and that each of the desires we talked about today finds its true fulfillment in the promise of Christ and his Father. Paul wrote to young Timothy, his apprentice in the Bible, admonishing him, admonishing him to show himself to God and seek his approval. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. If you've never considered this before today, consider it now. What if there's a reason that you are desiring all of these things that we've talked about today? There is. See, you weren't made for half loves and half truths and empty cups. You were made for glory. Paul says that we are to be the praise of his glory, and that has been our destiny from the beginning. We were meant to do praiseworthy things and to enjoy a love that fills us up, approves us, honors us, esteems us, and allows us to find our sense of being in our relationship with God and with each other. I would like to read another passage from the letters of Elizabeth the Trinity that reminds us of this glorious aspect of our calling. If we only thought more seriously about our origins, then the things of this world would seem so petty that we would despise them. St. Peter writes in one of his epistles that we may become participants of the divine nature. Saint, uh, 2 Peter 1, 4. 
the soul that realize its own, realizes its own grandeur enjoys the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Romans 8, 21. That is that it transcends all things, including self. If I were asked the secret of happiness, Elizabeth says, I would say self-forgetfulness and continual self-denial, which effectively destroys pride. The love of God should be strong enough to destroy all love of self. You see, that's, that's really beautiful, and that's our origins, and that's the goal and the design for our hearts. But then sin entered the picture, didn't it? Well, sin may have happened, but so did the cross, and we are still who God made us to be. And we can still discover the richness of love that will put, that will um, fill up these human needs in our heart. We're still called to a divine mission and to partake in his nature. As we close today, we come to you, Jesus, with all our desires, ordered and disordered, and we lay our little souls at your feet. Help us to follow after you and seek your yoke of meekness and humility upon ourselves, exchanging our heavy and proud yoke for yours, submitting our hearts to your refining fire. Next week, we're going to look at the second half of this prayer in which we face some of our greatest fears as humans, asking Jesus to deliver us from those fears that have such a stronghold on our hearts. God bless you and keep you this week as you pray this litany. I hope you'll reflect on the ways and uh, some of the or on the, some of the desires mentioned in the first half of this prayer um, to see if maybe some of them have become a little too important to you. And, that, and I hope also that you will turn your precious heart over to the one who formed it and made it to have those desires fulfilled in him. Please know my prayer is for you to find joy today in the little things. And until we meet again, seek him moment by moment because he is always seeking you.